Hi and welcome to episode 6 of Social Distancing the Church. I'm Brandon Lysome and today I'm doing it a bit differently. I'm going to be reflecting on things being learned and kind of reflect on the past 5 episodes. And to start off on the tech, one thing I've been noticing as a common thing is playing to the strengths of each platform. Uh, so the idea is, is that a lot of churches are thinking about who they are and the platforms they're doing and they're playing to the strengths of that platform. So a good example is in episode one, Grant discussed kind of doing video calls and including others because it was easier to do as a video calling system. And episode four, Bryce is sending everybody to Facebook. They're streaming everywhere. But Facebook is the place they push as this is where we are because they can do interaction well. And so they can kind of interact better with people on Facebook. And so... They're playing to the strength, both Bryce and Grant, they're playing to the strengths of the platforms they choose. And going along with that is leaning into what you can do and do it well. Rather than being the next live streaming sensation, churches are thriving by leaning into their identity. Smaller churches are choosing ways that can keep on cultivating community because they realize that's what their church does well at. So rather than doing an impersonal system, they try and add personality to it and lean into their community more. Now that's not to say that big churches aren't leaning into community or aren't adding personality, but that they'll choose something like live streaming over YouTube in which they can have that production quality because they're a bigger church, they have the skill set. Another example is in episode 5, Join discussed how there was people in his congregation who had experience in professional TV production, and so they applied that skill set into pre-recorded services. And so kind of big thing is, is leaning into what you can do and do it well, rather than trying to reinvent the wheel of something that's already been done. And a big thing that's having some churches see success while others aren't is investing into an online presence. And this is both with time and thinking, but also by actually acquiring hardware. If you invest into hardware, it goes smoother. In episode one, I recommend you go watch a grand talk in depth of ways they've found using pre-existing equipment they've had as well as equipment that they've gained for this that is helping them and a big thing is is they went and they got a USB mixer and that allows an XLR input to go into a USB so you can take your XLR mics you can plug it in uh, or take an XLR output of your soundboard and you can plug it into this USB mixer uh, USB interfaces can also do this. 
and then it outputs it over USB that you can plug directly into your computer. And instead of buying a bunch of new mics, USB microphones, you, churches can continue using all the equipment they've accumulated over the years, which are all primarily based over XLR. Um, and then also a compressor. That's another big thing because dynamic speakers, when they get soft and quiet, in an online format, that's more jarring and not as smooth. Whereas if you are physically in person, as people soften their voices, it's not as noticeable as online. So having a compressor makes a huge difference as well. But all this tech means nothing if your staff do not buy in. Having your staff uh, buy in and shift their ministries towards an online format is a big thing of the equation as well. Um, and that's not just copying and pasting your ministry from a physical in-person gathering to an online gathering because it doesn't work that way. It's actually going through and thinking about how does changing it into an online format, what works, what doesn't work, and what are new opportunities we can have in an online format. So it's not a copy and paste job. It's uh, sitting there, having your staff be invested in it and think through all these implications. And the other thing, and in episode three, Autumn talked about this really well, is viewing your ser online service as another campus. So if you're a church that just has one place gathering, so you're one campus church, but if you're live streaming, you need to think about being, you need to view it as a two campus church. You have your physical in-person campus and then you have your online campus. Because churches have set up online infrastructure now. And so the big thing going forward is to take what they've learned and what they've set up and continue with that. Merge into hybrid services where you can do both online and in-person and view both as equal because you are reaching new people online and that is fantastic. And so churches need to continue thinking and continue continuing to view online as another campus rather than something secondary. And that's a big thing churches might start falling into is viewing it as a secondary or a tertiary ministry when reality is it can be a big part of your ministry. And so as provinces are opening up, move into a hybrid model where you can do both well and keep that online presence and keep on building in that online presence. And another thing, not mentioned in my podcast, but is something that I've been starting to think about more and I'm going to change up is thinking like a YouTuber. If you're streaming on YouTube, you are a YouTuber. And there is things that you, to do well, you have to have a change of mindset. You think about how churches title their videos. They title 
their services in a way that a congregation can find it. But there's no discovery in that, right? Like, if somebody else sees it, they're not going to be interested in it. It's something I've made that mistake. I've even been making that mistake in this ep- in this podcast is kind of not thinking in that YouTube mindset. And so that's a big place churches can change is figure out changing their titles and thumbnails in a way that's still contextually appropriate, but in a way that works better. And kind of that leans into my closing comment where Terry in episode two mentioned tech as a tool rather than a master. We need to make sure that our liturgies are not dictated by YouTube analytics. While we need to make changes to make it thrive, and we should be informed by YouTube analytics, but that should not be our deciding factors. That should not be what drives all our decisions. We need to have a merging of theology. We can't be dictated by tech, but we can be informed by tech. And so those are my reflections so far on this online format. If you guys have any more thoughts or comments, feel free to comment in the comment section or also follow me on Instagram where I do more of this behind the scenes stuff. And so I'm on Instagram at Pod Theology. Um, And so yeah, I'm willing to have longer conversations with people as this is something that I've been quite involved in in the past few months is kind of the tech behind doing online services, figuring out what thrives and what doesn't and being informed by tech, but also leaving space for theology to have the final say as well. And so if you want to continue the conversations, feel free to contact me either Instagram or in the comments section. And yeah, I also linked in the description will be another part where I talk about my reflections on the theology of online services. Hi and welcome to episode 6b of Social Distancing the Church and in this episode I'll be reflecting on the theological implications of online services that I've learned in the previous episodes and reflecting on common themes and the first one is is that churches are mainly driven by pragmatic reasons right now. They are not thinking about the theology because there is an explicit theology in figuring out which platform you decide to stream on or streaming versus pre-recorded. There isn't explicit theology for that. So either A, they have to take a lot of time to reflect, which churches didn't have, or B, you choose via pragmatic reasons, which is what a lot of churches had to do. So there isn't a lot of theological driving force right now, 
But there still is theology occurring. A good example of this is communion. Most of my guests had much to say about communion and figure out what communion online looks like and what themes of communion do you stress and all that stuff. And do you do communion online? Is that theologically appropriate? And if so, how? And so it's hard theologizing right now, but, and it's mainly decisions are mainly done via pragmatic reasons, but there still is some theology occurring. The next thing I want to point out is the inclusion of others. And by others, I just mean those that are not clergy. Um, a cool opportunity that some churches are recognizing is that they can easily include members of the congregation who wouldn't want to stand up on a stage in front of a crowd and read the Bible passage, but they're more than willing to read it on their living room couch or in front of an empty uh, sanctuary. So churches are recognizing that they can include those who would initially be uncomfortable in a regular service. However, especially in early stages, when churches were trying to minimize how many people were physically present in the room due to size restrictions, a lot of people were pulling double duty and pastors ended up doing a lot. So Bryce mentioned in episode forward idea of the clergy show where it was only the clergy up there due to they were playing multiple roles and as a Protestant church they realized that was problematic because they stood behind the priesthood of all believers. And so there's that interesting discussion now where it's like how do you include others and what new opportunities do you have to include others? And I have not had an interview where they are mentioned doing longer services online. But I've had a few that have mentioned doing shorter services. And the question is, why? Were there too much fluff in our services that we are now realizing now that they are online? Or are attention spans short online? And there I would argue it's a both. Some services drag on too long. And with the power of YouTube analytics and less shame in leaving a service because it's a click instead of walking out of a room, people are willing to not, uh, are more willing to click off dragging services. And churches are seeing that feedback. They're seeing where they're losing people because people are, it's less shame to leave than it was in a physical service where you have to stand up inside of everybody and walk out. The other thing is, is online attention spans are significantly shorter and it changes per medium. And to understand this, you have to understand user interface design. Um, how web pages and services lay out how you interact with them. So YouTube has a UI design where you click on a video and then it takes you to another page 
that is dedicated to watching that video. And so YouTube's trying to engage you on long format. However, Facebook doesn't. Facebook wants you to keep on scrolling. Their design is entirely meant for you to keep on scrolling. And so they want to show you as much content as possible, as quickly as possible. So for them, sitting down and watching a 40 minute video is not what they're designed to do. And it's not what people are used to doing on that platform either. They are used to looking at something max two minutes and then keep on scrolling and then keep on scrolling and seeing as much as they can as quickly as possible. So a place like Facebook, even if you don't have fluff in your service, you're going to be fighting to retain. And so you're going to have to shorten your services. And so while we're seeing feedback that our services have been dragging on, it also depends on which format you choose. Another thing is a few people mention trying to increase intimacy in their online services. They're choosing their library in their church to record like join instead of in an empty sanctuary, which gives you a more intimate feel. Or something like um, Bryce mentioned choosing different filming locations that thematically worked and were a bit more of a homey feel. So there is definitely uh, churches trying to gain intimacy in an online format. The question becomes, is this something we have been missing in our churches, Sunday services? And I would argue no, and my reasoning is the study of proxemics. Proxemics is the sociological study of space and group size and human interactions. Discipleship That Fits is a book by Harrington and Absalom that discusses what our expectations of different group sizes are and it applies that in Christian ministry contexts. So they look and say here is the rule of a group size about this big and a group that size would fit into our category of Sunday services and these are the rules we have to follow you follow and if we don't people get uncomfortable. And one of the things is, is people don't expect intimacy in that area. Where they expect intimacy is in smaller group sizes, like missional communities and small groups. And so if your church has been missing intimacy that you are now compensating for online, there is a big thing is, is question, what are small group ministries like right now? And so it's not so much the idea of our Sunday services need to be more intimate, but we need to have ministries that accompany our Sunday services that are more intimate. And a lot of big churches right now are thinking about that. They're putting more energy into their small group ministries. However, it is also good increasing intimacy in online services. That is what thrives on that line. You think about a couple years back and still going on, how popular 
daily vlogs are on YouTube. They're a big thing and it's because people follow content creators who they feel they have a relationship to. And so having so creating that intimacy is something that online media thrives on. It tries to make you feel connected and having a more intimate set for your sermon is beneficial. However, we also have to remember that that's false intimacy and don't let it replace a place where genuine intimacy can grow, which is in our small group ministries. And that flows into my last point of higher emphasis on care teams right now. Churches are building their care networks, especially in early stages of COVID. They were building their care networks and their social network systems up really high. And it's an area that may have been ignored or forgotten about in recent years. But it can greatly transition to, now that it's built up, transition it into our small group ministries. And that's something churches should be considering right now. And so yeah, now that we have these networks that churches have been building up over the past two months, a thing they should start considering is transitioning it into flourishing small group ministries. So that's all I've got on the theology reflections. Um, thank you for joining me. I also want to thank Odom who provides my intro music. That's greatly useful. And I want to conclude with asking for more feedback on this and continuing this discussion. I wanted to keep this nice and short so that it reaches people, but there's also more to be said on this and I'd love to interact with you guys. So either YouTube comments work, um, or also I'm on Instagram. That's where I'll do more of like the behind the scenes posting and stuff like that. So you can follow me there as well at Pod Theology. But I would like more interaction. It's kind of, I've been putting this out and then it just kind of goes into the abyss. And hearing more from you guys would be really beneficial for me. So... I'd love to hear more from you guys and thank you for joining me.